You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is a friend, Reg Willing. Welcome, Reg. Thanks, Dirk. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, cool. So a little story on Reg. Reg is in the construction world and he's going to elaborate on that. But I met Reg years ago. It's a small town. We had some similar friends. And I don't know, Reg, if the first time we hung out was in Sun Valley skiing, but I remember I think so. we were living there. And I think you came over with Shrek and some of the crew. And anyways, Reg is just one of those good dudes. I'm in the lending world. And, you know, so I bump into people doing remodels building and it's just consistently like who are you working with and reg is usually that guy so he's got a really great reputation people love working with them he does amazing work and uh, i'm excited to have him on so reg um in your own words you know if you bumped into somebody and, and a stranger and they said what do you do how would you answer that uh general contractor for residential uh remodels new construction is my primary business right now and you've been doing that, uh, you're, you're a business owner. You've been doing that for how many years? Been, I've been in the residential construction for 25 years now. Okay. And then you went to Washington State. Did you go right into that out of college or did you try something different? I went into it. My father was a land developer, did all the horizontal construction, putting the roads, the sewers, building plats, land acquisition, entitlement process, and then would sell to people like John Buck and Murray Franklin. At the time, we're kind of the bigger players in that market. Yep. And when I got out of school, my major was in real estate, and I thought it was going to be a commercial broker. And I tried it for a while, and it just wasn't a fit for me. Yep. And I always knew I wanted to do something in real estate. So uh, he at the time was starting to think about starting a company because he had a plat in Kitsap County that was not selling off very well. And the only way to get out of that land plat was to start building on it. And so we kind of devised a plan to come up with the construction company and we did, and that worked great for a long time. So 2008 happened. Yeah, I get it. So growing up, like it was kind of in your family, your DNA, but did you, was there pressure at all to kind of follow suit? Like, or did, was there freedom just to like do whatever you wanted to do? No, there wasn't any pressure to follow suit. I think like any parent, you just want your kids to be happy and do what they're passionate about. I think cool. that real estate always intrigued me because I like the, I like the fact of being a business owner. I like the fact that real estate was something that I always had an interest in but construction was something that as a kid i was never really interested in it just okay. kind of fell into construction so you've been in it a while and is it the normal trick i mean do people typically you work for a company you had different roles and then eventually you start your own company is that typically the the protocol a lot of people take in your industry that is the the main protocol most people do because you need the experience coming in blind it's pretty hard to do and most of these guys now from most of the guys that are hiring people out of high school or i mean high school out of college are looking for construction management degree some background in engineering some background in basic understanding of construction um 
so it's not something that a lot of people just come in off the street into. There is some people that will work their way through being a laborer to a framer to a site superintendent to potentially going out on their own. So that interesting because I'm thinking like the skill set, if you're really good at framing or you're really good at whatever trade, like how important, like when is the uh, the, the need for a degree, say from a university in construction management, like what does that give you versus the guy or gal who's just really damn good at building or framing or whatever? Like, why does somebody need a degree? I don't know that you need a degree, but I think what you learn being in the field is that the framers or the, the tradesmen, so to speak, that do the work are very good at their crafts. But what you want for a manager is not somebody who has a toolbox. You want somebody who's got a computer and a laptop because it's more project management organization than it is actually physically doing the work. And that's been the biggest problem I found over years, hiring superintendents is trying to pull somebody out of the field that was a carpenter or a framer and turn them into a superintendent. If they're not organized and they're not disciplined and they don't learn how to you know, take diligent notes and write things down, then it becomes a problem on the management side. They might know everything about construction, but they can't manage it because they can't organize it. And it's a big puzzle to organize, right? Because you've got trades that don't show up on time. You've got to readjust schedules. You got to keep everybody moving. You got to keep budget in mind. You got to keep the clients informed of what's going on. Yeah, this is interesting because I've had a lot of podcasts with like even like very creative people, like a, a, a composer who has his own business. And so sometimes the skill set of like being really good at a trade or building or an artist or whatever, doesn't always translate to being a business owner. You are a business owner. You've done a lot of the work along the way. Are you, does it pull you away from what you really like? I mean, is it, if someone's watching this and they're thinking, I would love to have my own company and I love to build, is it two totally different feels and lives i mean if you're running a company versus you're out there you know putting up walls or whatever i mean it seems like a totally different world i mean if you're a business owner you've got that entrepreneurial mindset and you understand how an organization works and at the end of the day the bottom line is there's two key things and it comes down to are you on time and are you on budget right and and you need somebody to kind of overlook over those things because the carpenter's too worried about whether it's perfect or not perfect and they lose track of what the bigger picture is which is you know how are we doing on the overall budget and how are we doing on the time frame not that the details aren't important but they fit in there in a different way right the big picture is if i'm if i'm over budget and over time then i'm not a very good contractor the easy part's getting the finish work right Got it. So you've been at it for a while. Like, is there anything that has surprised you? Like, wow, I didn't see this coming. Or did you know exactly what was ahead of you? I mean, just from your dad or whatever? No, because I, like I said, he was a land developer. He wasn't a builder. Yep. So I, so to answer your question again, kind of like, it's hard for somebody to just get into it and watch a YouTube video on how things are supposed to be done. I mean, it's easy for a DIY project, but trying to, there's so many different components from, and so many regulations now, if you don't have the experience, it's hard to do. So from somebody who wanted to get into the field and didn't want to go through the schooling, um, the best thing to do is, is shadow somebody, 
hire a superintendent that maybe he's not the business owner, but he is the guy that understands the process and how things are put together. And then, you know, over time, you'll learn the process and how it goes together. And, and yeah. keeping, keeping that with the business sense is great. So if, I mean, some of these questions seem elementary, but if someone's watching this and they're interested in pursuing this, here's my experience. And I don't at all have the experience you do, but I've done some building. Yeah. Um, it feels like people like yourself that reach a level, they're consistent enough to where they can rely on qualified, talented, credible people consistently versus one-off projects where you're, you know, you can't put people to work all the time. So they go off to another project. Are you in a situation to where, you know, you do a remodel or a new construction or whatever, and you have your same crew, or do you actually have to continue finding people? We're, I mean, we're always pricing people out and trying to keep them competitive. I think the hard thing for a homeowner is they don't know the right questions to ask. They have a plumber come over and do the job. And a lot of people say they know what they can do and they, oh, I've done tons. I'm a really good plumber. I, I know what I'm doing. But if you don't know the right questions to ask and you don't check the right references, which is key in anything in our industry, whenever I get a new subcontractor or I talk to a client about, you know, trying to get a job, the best thing that people can do is ask them for a list of references from projects they did within the last six months to a year. Because they, if you just ask for references, you're going to get references of their best friend or their mother-in-law that they built a house for. If you can say, hey, who have you done the last six months? That's a real snapshot of what their crew currently looks like. Because maybe they had a great crew three years ago and then they fell apart and now they're disorganized and they don't have the same crew they used to. But then you can call those references, say, hey, were they on time? Were they on budget? Were they clean? What things didn't you like about them? And you'd be shocked at how many people are brutally honest and love to tell horror stories or great stories about their contractors or subcontractors. So I know you, I mean, just from reputation and I know you work with a lot of people I know, it seems like you would have, you wouldn't have to do that very often. It, it feels like, I know that you're probably constantly bidding things out to get a good deal, but like the people, it, I would think you work with, mostly the majority of the people you work with it's you know them already are you saying that you have to go out and sometimes find total strangers i do um i would tell you that it, it's like anything i mean when we hit the the supply issues in 2022 you know it was hard to get anybody to come out to your site everybody was so busy there was a shortfall of labor we do have a crew, but we're always trying to improve on our subcontractors. If I can get somebody who's more qualified that is going to give me a better price, then I don't have a problem switching. I, I Most of the time, I'll give my current plumber, let's say, you know, hey, just so you know, I'm chopping prices. I see material costs have gone up, labor costs have gone down, but I got to stay competitive because if I'm not competitive, then I'm not competitive as a general contractor. I don't go with the cheapest bid. I got to go with, again, it's about checking references and qualifications and making sure they understand it's an interview process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I get it. Um, and so uh, again, like I, maybe an elementary question, but I know you hit a sweet spot years ago with the pandemic and you started to do a lot of remodels. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there are people that do spec. There are, I have, 
friends that are in the spec world. I have friends that are in custom construction from ground up. Um, am I missing a flavor of construction? I mean, are, how many different areas? And I guess the question is, do people seem to settle in on one or is it common for a builder just to do all of the above? No, I think um, I have done them all because I started out as a track builder. I mean, doing master plan communities, 400 lot units where we'd have five different plans. Um, you know, you get option A, B and C and the process is very streamlined to going into the custom realm and then eventually into the remodel realm. And each one of them are unique. When you have a client or a customer, there's good things and bad things about it. Um, the communication has got to be really good. And that's the key with any contractor that's really good at what they do is you have to communicate at all times with your clients what, what the budget's going, what the schedule's going like. If you leave that open line of communication, you don't have problems. What you see breakdown is when people don't communicate, whether somebody's going to be there that day, what time they're going to show up, you know, when the work's going to be done. People love to be informed. And when they're not informed, contractors get an issue. They go dark. People don't know what's going on. They get upset. Then all of a sudden they get an invoice. They're surprised by it. Right. Um, but they are two, two completely different animals in a sense. The the track builders, so to speak, or the spec builders, it's it's for profit, right? So they're trying to go and blow as fast as they can and get these houses out. They've got a huge, not with different loans out there, and they're more worried about their costs than we are. We're more, more worried about the quality of the work and the schedule and the communication. So it's it's not, when I say bid out these guys, it's not to just get a cheaper contractor. A lot of times it's, hey, how can we improve and where are our weak links? Yeah. I'm just thinking with this. Yeah. I was just thinking about the pros and cons. Like I would think and jump in and tell me if I'm way off, but like if you're doing spec, then you don't have to deal with the emotional uh, spouse or husband or wife that with change orders or that's not happy or what it seems like you can kind of do your thing which yep. seems nice. And I guess when you're dealing with custom or remodel, uh, there might be more opportunity to be creative, maybe even financially, it's more lucrative if you're doing a higher end home. Uh, what would you say the pros and cons to eat? I mean, is that, am I on off? Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, when you're doing spec, they can be a very lucrative for you, but it can also be you know, you get a market shift like we're currently going through where interest rates are going up or in 2008 where the sub market fell apart. And, you know, you've got a lot of product out there and you can take a big haircut. So there's a lot more risk in doing spec. Um, the nice thing about the pros about doing customs is, you know, it's a steady paycheck. You get to really get to know your clients, which is part of the fun of, you know, doing this because it's very intimate process in the sense that you see the emotions from high to low to frustration to everything right <laughs> and the other thing that's really neat about the custom industry is you get to do things different every day it's not the same spec house with the same light fixtures and the same countertops and the same every project's unique every ask is unique every designer architect is different and so you really get to push yourself on your ability and think outside the box, which is kind of fun. What is, yeah. So what is it for you? Like the why, like, you know, everyone has something about their job. And by the way, I mean, 
you know, I'm interviewing people who are really good at what they do and you're one of them. Uh, and there's probably a reason why people come to you. Um, but two questions, I guess, is what do you think differentiates Reg from the other folks out there? Why do they come to you? And two is, um, you know, what is it about this industry you're in? Like, what do you, what does it for you? I mean, you keep coming back, you've been in it for a while. Um, is it, is it just, you love building things or is it the smile, like making families happy? I mean, all of the above, what is it you love most about doing this? I think that, uh, I guess to answer your question, the thing that I love most about it is is creating something from scratch or having an idea or the designer having a concept and us being able to perform it right. I mean, I don't they don't know how it's built. They've seen this picture on Instagram or they saw it on, you know, house or something. They're like, we really like this. Can we figure out how to do this? And it's fun to get creative and, you know, try to figure out a way to get them that product that they want. Um, and it's fun to see it at the end of the day when everybody's like, oh, this turned out great. Um, what was the other question? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I'm just curious what, you know, why Reg? Like why? Um... So I think what sets me apart from a lot of the other contractors is what my main philosophy is, is to be transparent and open. And I think a lot of contractors have closed books. I think a lot of contractors are not for, and I'm, there's there are good and bad contractors out there. I think the good ones are transparent in the costs. They're transparent in what they're making. They're transparent in their schedules and their communication. I think when people aren't transparent, that's when things get weird and they go sideways. Yeah. yeah. So I, not. To, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just think transparency is something that is is important because it's the costs have really increased over the years and it's hard to tell who's just gouging you and who's telling you the truth. And there's a lot of guys that'll come in and they'll bid things low to get the job. And then they can't perform on that and they get themselves in a pickle with the contractors or there's guys that are just overcharging and you don't have a good feeling at the end of the day, because you feel like you overpaid for things. And that's where that transparency part comes in. It's a relationship. Most people pick contractors because they trust them and you, you really need to have trust in your contractor. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like that, you know, in my world of lending, you know, I think it's similar. I mean, at least when I'm buying something or I'm paying somebody for something, I just want to know, they don't have to be the cheapest. I just want to know that they're not full of crap and I can, I can believe what they're saying. Um, as far as not, not what you make, but what I'm, the question I have is more on compensation. So if someone is interested in getting in building and they have no clue on how I get paid, I mean, is it typically a percent above cost or uh, is it a percent based off the value of the house if it's new construction or hourly? Like, is it all of the above or how do people structure compensation? A little bit of all the above. Um, I would say that the there's two ways that we typically do projects. If I've got a designer or an architect that is very detailed and they have all the specifications laid out, we will do fixed price for people because that way at the end of the day, they know exactly what their mortgage is going to be based on all the specifications that are laid out in front of us. The other thing is, is a lot of people don't, and then, if we do a fixed cost, 
bid and they change their mind, then we create what's the change order, right? It could be a positive change order in the sense that, hey, the countertops came in less, we're going to give you a credit back as a change order. Or it could be that the costs went over because they picked a certain product that was a little bit more and we'll do that as a change order. Um, if it's a cost plus because they don't really have any idea, they haven't had the time to go out and look at fixed, you know, they're looking for our recommendations. We'll put a full budget together based on what we think they want, what their ultimate goal is to be in the range of the overall project. And then they'll go out and select it. And instead of creating 100 different change orders, we'll kind of leave allowance numbers and use those as our guidelines. And then it's a percentage over yeah. whatever the value is for our fee. Yeah, so no. You'll see builders probably a lot like mortgage companies. They've got... Um, They've got a contractor fee in there. And then for lack of a better term, there's a lot of junk fees. Mm -hmm. And some contractors will charge for a superintendent's truck. They'll charge for rental fees that for equipment they already have. They'll charge for all sorts of little incidentals and papers and superintendents and running around. And it's a nickel and dime way to get your margins lower, but get your costs up so they're not very forefront on what they're charging with the yeah. client because they've got all these little nickel and dime fees in there and then they'll take their percentage way down they're like oh well they're they're only 10 percent above cost where somebody like me on a remodel might be 20 percent now as the value goes up i move my percentage around and i and i look at it two different ways it, it's the time that we're going to spend on the job. If I've got a project that's going to last a year, then I'll budget in what my monthly net is for my overhead and everything for that year and my profit on top. If it's a remodel, it's each one's a little unique, Dirk, but I'm upfront with the clients of what it is. And depending on the value, I mean, if I'm coming in and doing a $50,000 bathroom remodel versus a you know $4 million remodel in a big house, there, there could be two totally different numbers. Yeah, I get it. Um, just from experience, like I, like what I, you're talking and I'm thinking about the scenario where you have a fixed cost, but lumber goes up or steel or, you know, it's an, a 12 month turns into an 18 month, whatever, like new construction, like that must be hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like when someone has a budget and then crazy things happen in the market, no inventory, whatever. I mean, you must have to deal with that often it is and we try to anticipate i mean like anything um you know the commodities market is something that i can't predict but if i'm doing a fixed price as we get closer to the signing the contract we do have to put some fudge room in there and to be honest we've got to be able to anticipate for the market shifts um you know most of the stuff we can pre-buy like we'll once we sign a contract we'll order the plumbing supplies we'll order a lot of the things or put deposits down so we can lock prices in and commit to those prices um the only other thing that's usually variable when you're talking new construction is dirt removing earthwork and stuff because you don't know where bearing soil is going to be until you start digging so we'll put allowances in even on a fixed cost of, hey, we figure that we're going to have to go three feet down. We're going to have to 
excavate this and we're going to put an allowance for this many cubic feet of dirt to be removed and replaced. If we happen to hit something that's out of our control and there's a buried oil tank or there's tree roots or something like that, then we address that at the time. Okay. So I, I know it varies oh, based. Oh, go ahead. Were you say, go ahead. Did I cut you off? Nope. So I know it can vary based on the project, but like if someone's like, oh, interesting, like how many projects, you know, do you do and do they typically last six months, nine months? And again, I know it totally depends on the type of deal you're doing, but if you, for you right now, you're heavy on remodels um, for probably the last three years, I would think. What, I mean, is a, do you have 10 clients that average six months or do you just focus on one client? I mean, how many can you have at once? So we've got a small geographical area that we try to tackle and primarily because the more we get strung out, if I'm going down to Ballard and Seattle and I'm trying to service the north end up in Edmonds and the south end down to Renton, can't do it. The guys are too spread out. It's too far between jobs. So we're located in Bellevue. We try to stay on the greater east side. We'll go down to about the VMAC. And then we'll go up to North Kirkland, and then we'll go over to the east side to the plateau, the Spanish plateau, the Issaquah plateau. And we'll occasionally go cross 520 to like Madrona and Madison Park, that area. But we try to stay within that radius because to your point, if I've got a bunch of projects going on, it gets too hard to manage it. You can't even do it in a day driving around from site to site. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question about how many projects, it varies. So I could have a bathroom remodel on a, just a main bath in one house that's five weeks, or I could have a new construction that's 13 months. And if I have a bunch of big projects, I take fewer of them. If I have a bunch of smaller projects, I take more of them. Hmm. And I, yeah. I can't tell you because every, every month it's a different dynamic of what we've got if it's a kitchen a bathroom an addition a gut uh new construction from ground up so i mean a lot of your business is referral based right i would say i mean we we're really not advertising so it's primarily referral based from either designers or clients is yes okay that is a big part of my business right now so somebody that doesn't have your experience, your contacts, your credibility, and they're coming out, you know, at a younger age, what do you, you recommend they just jump on with a builder or, or with a super and then just try to establish themselves or what are the best options for younger people breaking in? They need to learn from somebody who's seasoned and has experience. So if you want to go into this industry, I mean, sometimes plot work is the great way to start. And if you don't have an education and you're not in construction management, it's hard to get a job with some of these big companies, these national companies, because they're really looking for more business-minded people than um, carpenter-minded people. Um, okay. But, it or a smaller builder, even learning the ropes from a smaller builder like myself and, and getting in the foothold and kind of learning from the ground up. And it's a great way to get the experience and figure out if it's an industry that you like or you don't like. Yeah, totally. So I'm curious, like for you, you've got all these projects. Are these employees yours or are they 1099? Like, do you have, a you know, 50 people in your company or do you run lean and mean and then just kind of contract out? 
So on the remodel side, we've got 10, 10 full-time employees, carpenters primarily. We've got some just laborers, um, but primarily carpenters. So we'll self-perform and in a remodel, our job is to come in and make sure the dust controls up, make sure the floor protections down, make sure that the site is organized and cleaned. And then as we have our tradesmen come in, whether it's the plumber, the electrician, I don't want them opening up the walls and just, you know, taking a hammer to a wall and say, hey, I think we're going to cut the sheetrock like this and shove it down this. We come in, we'll self-perform all the areas that need to be cut for the plumbing. We'll remove the plywood. And it makes it more beneficial for us because our subcontractors are in and out. I Once they've worked with me long enough, they know that we're organized. We've got everything prepped for them. And I can get a lower price from them because if they're working for a homeowner, they're not opening anything up for them. Or some yeah. builders are just like, hey, I need the sink move. Just cut the sheetrock where you need to cut it. So our carpenters are there to shave the walls, open up everything, prep the areas for these guys so they can come in do the plumbing, do the electrical, do the HVAC. But my guys are there also because they can shape the walls. If it's in just a small minor framing issues, we'll take care of it. If it's a bigger framing issue, I'll bring in outside help. Okay. But I do, I do like to use probably about 80 to 90% of the, the guys that do our work or tradesmen because we can get the job done faster and cheaper because that's what those guys do every day. My guys can frame walls, but they're not as fast as the guys that frame walls every single day. And I apologize if I ask, I don't think I asked this question already, but you might've given me an answer similar to, but like, what's the hardest part about, is it, I, I guess, is it, is it winning deals, the trust? Is it making sure your crews show up on time? Or what's, what's the hardest part about being a builder that maybe someone 25 years old has no clue about? The hardest part is controlling the people that I don't have control over, which are their tradesmen. And, and, and that's why we're in a constant, always looking for a better tradesman. And when I say that, let's stick with the plumbers or the electricians, just as a, an example, um, finding somebody that when I tell them that we need them on this day, that they show up on that day, that they communicate with us if they're going to be late because they're behind on a job. Um, that's the hardest part because there's a lot of unprofessionalism in, in our world yep. because you got a lot of blue collar workers that are uneducated that get into this right away, or you got a lot of immigrants that are in it, which some of them are great and awesome, but there's also a lot of bad apples in that. Yeah, I get it. And they're just not great at communication. So you're big on remodels right now, like in your perfect world, I mean, you and I are close in the same age. If you were to ride this out for a while, do you want to stay in this area of high-end remodel or is your preference to go ground up or, I mean, I, I assume you probably have a preference. I, you know, there's, there's a bigger learning curve. There's, there's good, there's pros and cons of each. And I would say for the remodel, the, the, the pros are, is that it's fun because you get to see things that were built from the 1900s or maybe even early 1800s. There's not a lot of those around, but you see all the different ways, types of construction and, you know, how to integrate that with the modern day applications is kind of fun and challenging. 
on the remodel side. Um, and then at the same time, new construction is fun too, because it's always fun to know that you're starting with a, a square plum house and you control it from the ground up. You're not fighting issues like you are in a remodel where you're, you know, nothing's ever square or plumb or level or the way you want it. So you're trying to mitigate that on, on the remodel side. Yeah. I'm just curious, like your own home, are you super um, picky, selective, like crazy about like, I don't know, do you like to build your own home or are, is your own home not so important? You focus on other homes. Like, are you hard to please for where you live on your own? Uh, I think less than I used to be. We used to, you know, when I first got into this industry and it was, and it's a great thing to do when you're young is to, you know, build your own house, live in it for a couple of years, take advantage of the tax credit, you know, up to $500,000 tax-free capital gains with two spouses or, and we did that where we would, you know, live in it for two years, sell it, and then build another house, live in it. It's a great way to create net or some wealth in a very short amount of time. Um, but once the kids got older and started to hit the school districts, my wife was less and less excited about constantly moving houses. And so we've been in our current house for about 10 or 11 years. And Nice. Yeah. Um, so in every job, I talked to you a little bit about this before we started you know like i told you like i didn't at 23 24 i was my dad was big on money and comparing and like i just i didn't really think a lot about i just wanted to go make money i wanted to make him proud you know i just very superficial kind of and i didn't realize for example how important freedom was and i also don't like bosses i kind of i'm a self-starter and i like to i mean i'm i don't need anybody pushing me i'm very uh, hard on myself i'm very driven uh, what is it about your career? Like, what are the non-negotiables for Reg? Like, I assume freedom. I mean, I know that, you know, you can go to Sun Valley and hang out and take it. Like, what is it, what do you get out of being a builder? And I guess personally, what is it about being a builder? Like, what are the things you need in your career that you get? You know, whether it's no cap on compensation, freedom, creativity, uh, you know, you can, you don't have to shave and go to an office and tap, you know, you know, be there from eight to five? Like, what is it about your career that you love? Like, what are the two or three things that you get out of it? Well, I think, you know, I think as any business owner, I think the the great things are, you know, about owning a business is you can make it where you want to make it. And you can work as hard as you want to work and, and create as big a company as you want to create, or you can scale it down and say, look, I'm happy with what I'm at. I've got a small crew. I trust them all. And I know I can leave for a day and that place isn't going to burn down. Um, I mean, I like that flexibility of being a business owner and having that and setting my own roles. I mean, the gratification at the end of the day is making the clients happy. But if there's a client that we know that we're not going to get along or see eye to eye with, then we won't take them on. It's pretty rare and few that I've come across that. But as a business owner and owning my own company, you have that that freedom. Which yeah. Is nice. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, Reg, but building it, I mean, it's emotional. Like I know how excited my wife and I get, you know, we've done it three or four times, you know, picking things out and then things come and maybe they don't look like we thought it would. 
I mean, it's almost like you're a builder, but you, you also have to have a little bit of a psychology background in terms of like emotional stuff that goes with it. Like I'm a lender and I, I see it, you know, I see people, I see the good and the bad people freaking out or whatever it is. It comes with the territory, but I know you must see that. And it's not like they're bad clients or they're emotional. They're just, that's life. That's the way it is. But you have to have the personal skills too, right. To be able to communicate and like, you can't be just a total introvert, quiet, you know, on the spectrum kind of guy, you need to be able to relate to people too. Right. Yeah. And I think it's like you said, I mean, being a builder, you're kind of a therapist in the sense that, you know, she might really want that granite countertop or that slab and she's adamant about it. And he's like, it's way out of our price range. And you're like, you know, how do I kind of get the middle ground and make them both happy? And it's like, well, maybe we can do those countertops, but maybe we can cut some corners back here and save you a little money to help compensate for the countertops that you want. Right. And it's just throwing ideas out like that, that like, Hey, I know where I can save you some money on the back end. We can help make up for the countertops you really wanted in that kind of sense, because it is an emotional thing. It's there's a lot of money on the line. It's the biggest purchase or investment that people make most of the time. And you have to kind of navigate those waters and you can kind of feel them out and you'll, you'll see after you start working with clients kind of, you know, where you need to help mitigate those. But it's also nice to, for myself and my wife, I mean, I've been a builder for 30 years now or 25, 30 years. And when we go to pick something out for the bathroom, I'm like, well, I really like this style. And she's like, well, I really like this style. So we end up hiring a designer to help us out because it's kind of that neutral ground. It's not too masculine or too feminine. And the designers are great in that aspect too, because they'll kind of bring in a new perspective. Well, how about this one? It's kind of in the middle. And you're like, yeah, I can live with that. And my wife's like, yeah, I like it. Yeah. So again, that's kind of what our job is and whether we facilitate that conversation or we can get in there with the designers and, that's why I like working. There's design build companies, which are companies that uh, have their own designer and they're also a general contractor. Um, and then a lot of times they're also their own architect. I like the collaboration of being just a general contractor. So we'll build anybody's plans. We'll work with anybody's designers, but it's fun to collaborate with a group of people because everybody's got different ideas and that way the client gets to pick the one they like the best, whether it was the builder's idea or the designer's idea or the architect's idea. But, you know, like anything, the more collaboration, the more ideas that you kind of spawn. Yeah. No, I remember when we, I was thinking about, I remember talking to you, we, we live in a barn, right? Yeah. And that's kind of a different animal. And I know you don't really do North Bend and probably don't do barns, but you were super helpful. I think some of the subs uh, you helped me with, and uh, I always appreciate that. So as we wind this down, um, one of the questions, two questions I always ask, one of them is if you could rewind this, go back to Wazoo coming out, would you do anything different? I mean, my guess is you would stay in the construction world, but would you have, you know, would you have followed a different path? Would you have gone into business sooner and just try to make it work at a young age or what would you do different, if anything? You know, it's I, I don't think I would veer from the construction industry. I really do love what I do. I love that it it kind of suits me because I'm not somebody who can sit behind a desk all day. And I also don't want to be out in the field all day. So I like the versatility of 
spending half my day in the office and half my day out in the field or whatever. Maybe some days I'm in the office all day and some days I'm in the field all day. In hindsight, some part of me always wished I would have been a fireman. I like helping people. And I, I love the, the fact of, you know, I think a lot of what the firemen do are paramedics and stuff or, you know, more paramedic issues. But I've seen a lot of firemen who've grown up through this industry and they'll they'll go into the fire at an early age, they'll go start as a fireman. You get that camaraderie of the group of the firemen. You kind of learn leadership and management experience there as far as scheduling trucks and schedules. And then they'll also, because they work one day on and two days off or something, they'll also get into the construction industry. And sometimes those guys are super talented because they have the organizational skills, They've got the free time. They really love the fire gig, but after 20 years, they want to go out and be self-employed and do something else. And it's a great kind of way to get into that. And so for somebody younger and wasn't in construction management and they're interested in firefighting, it's a great second career for somebody like that. Yeah. No, I had a firefighter on a couple of weeks ago. Very interesting. Some of the things that he deals with that I never thought of. Uh, some, you know, some of the gore and stuff he sees and, you know, there, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause once you kind of get behind the curtains, every career has its uniqueness that people don't know about as far as, um, you know, if you couldn't do what you're doing, if you weren't, let's just say God came down and said, Reg, you can't build, you can't can do any construction. Is there a, a dream job? Like just, and I asked this question, cause I think it's always good for the audience to kind of, you know, they know you as a builder, but is there anything you would love to do that's just kind of totally random? Um, or, I mean, the easy answer is I'm doing it, but I'm going to make it easy for you and say you can't say that. So I'm just curious, is there a dream job? Yeah, I mean, a dream job would be probably property management, right? Not not running a property management company, but running my own properties. Yeah. And, and I say that in the sense that, you know, there's not a lot of need for to be on site all the time it's more you know getting a portfolio of properties that are built over time and and managing but that's a hard thing to do without you know having some financial backing or something to start that industry yeah but i would stick in real estate and i think i would probably have started more on acquiring at a younger age acquiring rental properties until I built a portfolio high big enough that I wouldn't need to rely on a second job. Yeah. So I, I talk a lot about that whole recurring revenue, the annuity. Mm -hmm. so, and I just, you know, that's one of the things when I got into lending, I never, no one ever, and maybe I was the idiot, but like, I never thought about like how I would be compensated and I would start over every month. And I was in a very commoditized industry where somebody would leave me for 500 bucks or they go to rocket mortgage but the annuity income is something that i wish i had you know like a financial planner commercial insurance is there any kind of annuity uh income stream as a builder because my guess is you only get paid on when you're working i i don't know how you would get paid in an annuity fashion is that possible not really not as a not as a custom builder as a spec builder i know a lot of spec builders that will do developments and they would do a let's say a 20 lot plat of houses and they would keep one right they would roll their profits back into 
one of the houses and every time they did another develop they would keep another house and they would you know go out and build a duplex or something like that but you've got to you know start small and then eventually work your way up yeah um i mean we can do it as a custom builder but it's a little different than what i'm saying with a plat buy a piece of property build a duplex on it you know get the annuity and the income stream coming in and then turn around and leverage that and put a down payment on another one yeah no i love it uh and by the way you don't ever carry the note do you i mean people are financing this on their own so you don't have to worry about getting a construction loan or remodel unless you're doing spec correct as okay. a custom builder i'm i'm working for the client and they're the finances um as a spec builder it's a different story yeah no i get it uh is there anything i haven't asked that like you know just knowing what you know that's on the tip of your tongue as we end this like anything you want to leave the audience with that you know is looking at getting in your business i i think like any business i would tell people to you got to try a bunch of different businesses at, at a young age and and each time that you work for somebody you'll figure out what you like and you don't like whether that's working at microsoft gosh i love the you know project management aspect of it but i don't like the reporting aspect of it or having you know i don't i work for microsoft but my point is is until you've tried a position or you've tried a job i i studied commercial real estate or i studied real estate i got a real estate degree i thought i wanted to be a commercial broker i had to go work for a commercial broker and you know i just not a cold call person i realized that you know they sat me down at a desk with the phone and said call all these people and this is not my personality and it wasn't something that i was interested in and i also knew i wasn't interested in sitting behind a desk all day working on a computer because it it's not enjoyable to me i like the flexibility of having half a day or a whole day in the office and a whole day in the field or whatever but it's nice to that's why i like constructions because i can kind of do a little both yeah. And it's interesting. I know you I, and you're a very social guy, a lot of friends. So it's not like you couldn't, uh, you don't have the skill set to cold call or reach out and do the whole networking thing like a lot of our friends do. It's just that, you know, and the reason I say this is just because you can, and that's like what this podcast zone of genius that you might be really good at it, but if it doesn't bring you joy or, you know, energy and you just don't like it, then, you know, I think that's something to consider because I think a lot of folks get into businesses or careers that they're good at, but they don't necessarily love and they just get tired of, you know, one component or another. So anyway, I really do appreciate Reg. You're a, you're a great guy. I know you're really good at what you do and it's Friday afternoon and I know you got a family. So I appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend uh, and talk a little bit about your career. I think people are going to really benefit. Well, thanks, Dirk. It's been fun. All right. Thanks so much, man. All right. See ya.